What if our capacity to imagine has been so badly damaged by the information climate of our times that destruction is all we can see? What if deforming our ability to imagine the present is precisely what governments and power structures do to control us? And what if I told you we have the power to change this? I believe we do. To seize this power requires a radical change in perspective, however. To do so, we need to take one tool being vandalized before our very eyes, language, and reclaim it and redefine what it means to be an ethical citizen in the present moment. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to my sub-podcast, Words for Now and Later. Those words that I just read are from the wonderful little book, Dictionary of the Undoing, by Mr. John Freeman. And if you are new to this podcast, let me explain briefly what I am doing. I'm taking the words, letter by letter, from Mr. Freeman's book, which was written before this pandemic period, and I'm sharing them with you and reflecting on them in light of what we are experiencing right now in this time, this time which is a pandemic period, and more recently, almost for three weeks now, uh, a period of uprising, a period of agitation, a period of protest and change. So I'm glad you're here and let us look then to G is for giving. Mr. Freeman starts out on page 41 by saying giving is apathy's kryptonite. Apathy doesn't stand a chance once we start to give. Now, I just will say we are a few letters into this uh, book and this podcast, and you'll notice that he spirals the words through. So he's already introduced apathy and agitate and also body, which you'll hear in the next quote. And you're going to hear those words being used in an expanding context. So just a little side note there. So he goes on also on page 41 to say, giving brings a body a joy. We know it agitates towards pleasure. He comments that governments are set up to give, yet, quote, we are nearing the end of a radical experiment in eradicating the giving impulse in government. He says, we are taking it back upon ourselves collectively as a result to give. And we are seeing a black market in giving. <clears throat> it is how we redefine fairness outside the circles that malign the concept. This black market economy in generosity is part of the way bodies, when borne down upon, reassemble in schools of joy. That is resistance. So it is through giving that we find this collective joy in our bodies, and that itself is an act of resistance. He goes on to say on page 43, a government that has stopped giving very often hasn't stopped giving at all. It has begun to give power only to the few, and if it is hard to see whom power is given to, chances are your government is giving to itself or to the very rich. This is corruption. And he says that when it reaches that point, and I think you only need to look at the increasing list of scandals and investigations and falsehoods and just plain cover-ups that this current president has done and continues to do, I think we see that corruption. And Mr. Freeman says, when this happens, we need to start over. 
He says, quote, when we feel used up, abused, hard done and overlooked by the very governments that were supposed to serve us, we have one final act of giving to do. We need to give our hearts and minds to re-envisioning how our government can work. We need to fight corruption by calling it out, by using the structures of society to prosecute it. And that's on page 44. So, again, words that were written well before, not well before, but before the pandemic and the protests, but yet I think so very applicable to what we are witnessing right now. Stay with me, if you will, please, through this short break, and I'll return by talking about giving, and especially that last part about what we need to give to re-envision how our government can work. Well, thank you for staying with me through the break. I think this black market of giving that he, uh, Mr. Freeman, relates to, I think we saw this as the pandemic was beginning to roll. Sure, we did see selfishness and lack of a care for the common good and the hoarding, especially of toilet paper and cleaning supplies and so forth. But we also saw at the neighborhood level, at the church level, at the community level, people setting up their own networks to find ways to give supplies or to give energy or service or whatever it might be. I know that the Next Door app, which if you've not used that before, if your neighborhood isn't on that, uh, it's still worth checking out to maybe get you and your neighbor's network there. I know locally my Next Door app is pretty active and there were numerous people on there asking not what they needed, but what they could do for others during this pandemic time. Um, little gestures that I saw, if you live in a place where there's, there's those little libraries uh, where people put books in the little you know, house with the door in their front yard, hopefully you've seen those around. Um, many of the folks took their books out during the pandemic, at least the early days, and some people put supplies in there, toilet paper and other things, and, and said, if you need this, uh, you can take this canned good, you can take this, um, this toilet paper or this cleaning supply. Well then, as we all know, about two weeks ago now, the world changed, shifted, and we saw the murder of George Floyd, and we're aghast, we're horrified, sickened, angered, frustrated. So many, many words could be used to describe what we saw now three weeks, um, I stand corrected, ago. And I think we saw there in the protests this other type of giving and probably the type of giving that Mr. Freeman says that is our final act of giving. We need to give our hearts and minds to re-envisioning how our government can work. And we've seen that, I think, in the layers of protest. At first, we saw the anger, the visceral, raw anger that translated into violence, vandalization and looting that got a lot of attention and got a response from the forces, the police and the governmental forces that um, responded. And yet the protesters were not deterred. 
And they kept coming. We kept coming because I went out. Um, I've been out a few times in, in the midst of this. And what I've seen there is giving of time and energy and voice in the midst of risk. You know, we know that gatherings, uh, being out and about these days, even if one is masked, even if one is socially distant, even if one is careful, is a risk. And a risk not just to oneself, but if one gets COVID and brings it home, their family, everyone in their household is at greater risk as well. So there is a risk, there is a giving. And what I've seen also that has been remarkable in the midst of these protests is the giving of aid and supplies. I've seen the water bottles that have been out there, the masks that people have made and have given away, the uh, legal aid and legal support that has been offered through social media to protesters who have been arrested or people that are, are needing that support and that assistance. And I've also seen very one-to-one aid and giving of of help. I was on Facebook the other night, just a couple nights ago, and um, here in my town, we have a number of Facebook groups that have been set up just for the protests locally and um, helping inform people as to where to go to give their time and their energy and their voice to speak out and to step up and to stand up against racial justice, racial racist Um, systems and racial injustice, excuse me. And I saw somebody um, posting desperately on this Facebook group about needing help and about getting assaulted during these, um, the protest of that particular day. And this was in real time. And I saw people responding to him. And apparently there was a video of his assault that, that took place. And I I saw numerous people, these are strangers who are reaching out to him and trying to get help and people are talking to each other. And it it was really quite remarkable because there was this sense of compassion and this sense of care for a stranger who clearly was in need. And um, I thought that was quite, quite, quite touching, really, the care and the compassion and the kindness that was being expressed. So how do we give? Well, we vote. We're under 140 days now. I think it's 136 days and some hours and change. So we vote and we campaign and we go to city council meetings and we learn and we become involved and we find ways to convert and to change our own hearts and our own minds through learning and through reflection and through confessing and lamenting the ways that we have played a part in this injustice if we are a white person and how we have, how I have been complicit by not standing up already and in the learning and the standing up now today, I can begin to be a part of the solution, a part of the change. So there is so much that we can give and such an important, important word for today and for every day as we move forward into re-envisioning, re-imagining what this nation can look like, not once we get through this period, as we are moving through it, and as we are hopefully one day in the not too distant future emerging from it better, changed, different, more just, more kind, more compassionate, and ultimately more giving.
So thank you so much for listening. I hope this has resonated with you as you think about your own giving during this time and what it means in the bigger picture as we re-envision how our country can be. Thanks so much for listening. Blessings and peace. Thank you.